Hello and welcome to the Road to Adepec series by Energy Voice, brought to you by Adepec 2023, the world's largest energy exhibition and conference. From October the 2nd to the 5th, under the theme of decarbonizing faster together, Adepec will gather leaders and innovators from across the energy ecosystem and beyond to accelerate the path to a lower carbon future. I'm Ed Reed. I'm an editor at Energy Voice, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Mark Brownstein, Senior Vice President for the Energy Transition at the Environmental Defence Fund. The topic today is on the energy transition and technology. Achieving net zero and staving off the worst impacts of climate change will require a number of changes throughout our daily lives, but technology can play a major role in helping us make that move. There are going to be options around using natural gas more efficiently, tackling leaks for one, but there's also new processes, for instance, low and zero carbon hydrogen. Mark, I remember you wrote a piece about this time last year talking about ADEPEC and why the Environmental Defence Fund was attending. Uh, you wrote about the ways in which a, uh, I think your phrase was a nice environmental group might be uh, might 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 seem out of place at uh, at, a, at an industry gathering. Um, do, do, do you think that that uh, still rings true? Well, I think with the uh, with the UN Climate Conference being held in the United Arab Emirates at the beginning of December, the role of ADEPEC, the role of the industry, is just ever more sharper uh, in focus. And our um, attendance at the ADEPEC conference is really in pursuit of driving home the point um, that if the industry wants to be taken seriously as a partner in the energy transition, they really need to utilize opportunities like the ADEPEC conference um, to develop concrete strategies towards decarbonization and be ready, willing, and able to talk about those, present those strategies at the COP and talk about those strategies and most importantly, commit to implementing them. And, and of course, COP being held about a month later or so, just th down the road in Dubai. So so I think, it's, as you said, it's going to be very much on the minds of, of, of attendees at ADEPEC. But but listen, thinking about sort of those kind of concrete approaches, what what should we think, be thinking about in terms of trying to, trying to sort of move the needle in terms of the energy transition? What, what are the sort of the tangible things that we can say, that we can pinpoint now and say, this would have like a, like a major impact on, on, on that sort of trajectory of, of climate change? Well, I, I think we want to take a step back because when we when we talk about the energy transition, there's any number of analyses that have been done which speak to the fact that um, in order to stabilize the climate at anything approaching, you know, one and a half degrees above industrial emission levels or even two, that we need a fundamental uh, transition away from fossil fuel dependence. And whether you look at the work of the International Energy Agency or the IPCC, which is the scientific body that advises the UN Climate Conference, right? There's sort of unanimous understanding. And even Dr. Sultan, uh, who, who uh, chairs the, uh, the COP this year, who's the president of the COP this year, himself has talked about the fact that a transition uh, away from fossil fuel dependence is, you know, fundamentally uh, what's going to be required. So I think that's the first reality that we all have to sort of wrap our minds around. I think second, um, when you look at what it's going to take to do that, there's a lot of emphasis on electrification. 
the development of zero carbon electricity and then using that zero carbon electricity to um, to serve the needs of transportation, to serve the needs of buildings where traditionally oil and natural gas have played a large role. But it's also fair to say, and this is the third point, it's also fair to say uh, that electricity can do a lot, but it's not going to be able to do everything. We don't have the technologies to fully utilize electricity in all the places where we need to decarbonize. So if you think about global shipping, or you think about aviation, or you think about some heavy industrial processes, there's going to be a need for something alongside electricity uh, to do the job. And so that brings uh, the focus on zero and low carbon molecules. And, and frankly, I think that that is where uh, a lot of the oil and gas industry can and should be focused, right? How do we develop zero and low carbon molecules that sit alongside, uh, you know, these zero carbon electrons that enable us to get to the kind of decarbonization that we need? And so it, it feels like obviously there's, there's 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 been a lot of discussion about uh, hydrogen, ammonia, those sort of various kind of as you say those kind of uh, low to, to sort of zero carbon uh, molecules. But it feels like maybe you know over the last year have we seen sort of progress slow down? It feels like a couple of years ago hydrogen was very much the sort of the talk of the town, and it feels like maybe that's kind of come off a little bit this year. Well, um, you know, I it remains to be seen what we'll see at at Adipec this year. Uh, I was at the gas tech conference in Singapore just a month ago, uh, and certainly hydrogen was, you know, high on that agenda. So I imagine that we will see a fair amount of conversation about hydrogen. I think the point here about these zero and, and low carbon molecules is um, that the industry is beginning to confront the fact that they need to get past the buzzwords. So a year or two years ago, you could talk about hydrogen as if it was kind of like this, you know, silver bullet. Um, you know, this magic elixir. And I think, I think folks in industry, certainly folks in the science community are beginning to understand that actually there's some fairly important engineering that needs to be, take place and some fairly important considerations that need to take place if hydrogen is going to play the kind of constructive role that it could play. So for example, right, we're all becoming aware of the fact that while hydrogen is not a greenhouse gas, in the same way that carbon dioxide is or methane is, it nonetheless has a powerful impact on the climate when it's when it leaks. And we know that hydrogen leaks because we know it's a very small molecule and it's very tricky to handle. What we don't know is how much hydrogen goes missing from production, transportation, and use. And without that, it's going to be very difficult to create systems for production, transportation, and use of hydrogen that give us the full measure of climate benefit that we're looking for. So a lot of focus needs to be now paid to the measuring and monitoring of hydrogen leaks, and then ultimately the control of hydrogen leaks as we engineer uh, these new systems. That's just one example. So, so looking at those kind of kind of concrete steps that we kind of we've kind of mentioned, what do you think industry should focus in terms of sort of making the biggest impact in the shortest time? I mean, as obviously we're all sort of looking at those impending uh, deadlines that we've been talking about. Well, interestingly enough, it comes back around to uh, to molecules, but in this case, the methane molecule. One of the things that we know is is that methane in the atmosphere from human activities 
drives over a third of the warming that our planet is experiencing right now. Uh, and of course, coming into the COP this year, uh, we've just been through a, a, a hellish year on this planet where the effects of climate change are becoming very apparent from floods in Libya to uh, wildfires in Canada uh, to you know uh, uh, hellish heat waves in the Middle East or in, uh, in the Gulf Coast of the United States. I mean, we're all seeing it. So a third of what we're seeing today is being driven, roughly a third of what we're seeing today is being driven by methane emissions from human activities into, into the atmosphere. And, you know, somewhere between 30 and 40% of that is coming from the oil and gas industry. So if you're looking for the one thing that the oil and gas industry can do right now to have a material impact on slowing warming and the devastating effects that it's having, look no further than controlling methane emissions. And that, right, is, I think, job one, because whether you think oil and gas is going to be relevant to the global economy for the next 20 years, or you think the next 100 years, either way, any way you look at it, any amount of methane emissions into the atmosphere today has major consequences for the planet. And uh, and the oil and gas industry has a special responsibility to get after this. I think one of the one of the interesting things uh, that you wrote about uh, in that in that piece last year ahead of Adapec was sort of talking about discussions with NOCs, which I think often maybe sort of don't don't quite sort of uh, fit into the sort of the, the boxes that we see those sort of traditional super majors uh, ticking in terms of you know pledges to uh, pledges to tackle emissions. Do you think that you're that we're seeing kind of progress from you know the Aramcos, the Adnox, uh, you know the those sort of big sort of state owned uh, groups on 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 these on these this, this methane question? Well, you raise an important point here. I think generally speaking, when people think about the oil and gas industry, when they think about decarbonization, uh, many people's first uh, thoughts go to the household names, you know, the consumer brands, right? The the Exxons, the Chevrons, the Shells, the BPs, the Totals, the, the names that you tend to see uh, on the on the petrol pump. And uh, and that's understandable. And that's and that's right. Those international oil companies have a real responsibility to get after this issue. I think what many people don't understand about the oil and gas industry is just how important a role national oil companies play in the global ecosystem of oil and gas. You know, well over 50% of the global oil and gas that, that's on the market today is being produced by national oil companies. And you mentioned two of them, Saudi Aramco uh, and Adnoc, many others. And it is also fair to say that many of these national oil companies have yet to engage in the decarbonization conversation in the same way that the international oil companies have. So putting aside the fact that the international oil companies can and need to do more, we also need to make sure that the national oil companies are very much part of the conversation. So that's point number one. I think point number two is, is that national oil companies in particular need to be engaged in the methane agenda. And national oil companies are responsible for somewhere on the order of 50% of global oil and gas production. Uh, I've seen statistics that suggest that they're responsible for somewhere between 60 and 70% of the total of methane emissions coming from the industry. So um, they play a big role in global energy supply. They play an equally big role in the global 
oil and gas methane problem. The good news here, of course, is, is that we've seen companies like Adnoc step up, make commitments to reduce methane emissions, make commitments to join the UN Environment Program's oil and gas methane partnership. We need more national oil companies to, f- to follow that example. My hope uh, is that the COP presidency with Dr. Sultan in a leadership role will be able to facilitate the kind of national oil company commitment uh, to the methane agenda uh, that we've seen from ADNOC and that uh, commitment to the oil and gas methane partnership, commitment to taking a firm performance target, commitment to uh, you know real measurement and transparent reporting, that all of that will uh, become standard within the national oil company community. Mm, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then I suppose looking at sort of the, the technological side of it, I mean, do, do, you have, do you have any feelings about, you know, which technologies we should be keeping an eye on to that are going to sort of play these kind of instrumental roles in the transition? I mean, you sort of brought up sort of, you know, the sort of hydrogen and, and sort of ammonia sides of it. Are, are, there, are there any are there any pieces in particular that you've got your eye on? Yeah, well, a couple of things there. I mean, so first of all, on hydrogen, again, the reason why we focus so much on hydrogen is, is because in a world where you're trying to get to zero and low carbon molecules and you're trying to reduce your dependence on oil, gas, and coal, hydrogen becomes a critical feedstock into uh, the production of you know, green ammonia, which the shipping industry is looking at, you know, methanol, which the, uh, which the shipping industry again is looking at, uh, e-fuels, which will ultimately be what the aviation industry will need. So hydrogen is kind of a critical building block. Um, and so getting hydrogen right is critical to getting that whole suite of alternative fuels right. So pioneering the technologies to, to locate, measure, monitor hydrogen leaks because of their impact on the climate uh, becomes critical to the environmental integrity of everything that hydrogen then contributes to producing, whether it's ammonia or methanol or e-fuels. Getting a handle on methane emissions is important to the viability of natural gas as a transition fuel, viability of natural gas, as some in the industry would like to claim as a destination fuel, to the extent that the hydrogen industry is looking at natural gas as a feedstock for the creation of hydrogen, what some people call blue hydrogen. Well, blue hydrogen cannot achieve anything approaching uh, low carbon uh, if the feedstock is uh, is coming from you know methane with a high emission rate. Uh, so you have to get a handle on this. Now there, right, there has been over a decade of work to be done in understanding how to measure methane and a variety of technologies and techniques that have been developed. Everything from, you know, drones uh, to uh, sensors on aircraft to sensors on satellites, like the satellite that Environmental Defense Fund is will be launching next year. All of those play a role in giving industry a better insight into where the problems are, a better insight into where to go to fix them, and also better tools to measure progress against commitments over time. That's where we are today with methane. That's where we 
hope in a relatively short period of time to be with hydrogen. And then I suppose just sort of, you know, as a final question, I mean, like looking at all these technologies and obviously there, it does feel like there's a lot of interest going into uh, tackling these problems. I mean, the, the number of, you know, sort of uh, new kind of breakthroughs that I get yeah, emailed about on a, on a, on a, on a, on a daily basis is, is kind of staggering. But what do you think are the kind of the obstacles to deployment, right? I mean, how do, I, how do we... What, what, what do you think is the sort of the limiting factor? Well, you know, it's interesting. A couple of, again, a couple of weeks ago in Singapore, I was part of a dialogue with national oil companies that was hosted by ADNOC, looking at the question of methane emissions. Um, we talked about we talked about finance. Uh, not every national oil company is as well capitalized as ADNOC or Saudi Aramco, and so there is a need to build you know financial tools uh, to help. Uh, national oil companies from low and middle income countries um, stand up the technical capacity and then realize the reductions that that technical capacity uh, uncovers. But there's also a need, you know, frankly, to build that technical capacity uh, because while uh, the large investor-owned companies, the Shells, the BPs, the Totals, the Exxons, have a fair amount of experience at this point, in uh, you know deploying tools and techniques to measure emissions and to control them, the uh, expertise that's been developed in that corner of the industry is has not necessarily been widely socialized across the broader industry, and so we need to build the structures and uh, to do that. Uh, I think that that is uh, going to be that is incredibly important, but I think the good news here, and it's something that we hope to be talking about at the ADAPEC conference with national oil companies who will be in attendance there is in fact that the tools and techniques are there, right? This is, this is a rapidly developing and a rapidly maturing corner of the industry. And so the solution sets are there. What's needed now are, you know, are the commitments and the will uh, to, to, to embrace them. Fantastic. Mark, I think that's all, that's all my questions. So thank you so much for taking the time. Much appreciated. I think there have been some really fascinating insights here into the technological shift and what comes next. To our audience, I hope to see you shortly at Adapec, where I'm sure there'll be much discussion of the energy transition and the role of technology. Energy Voice Outland is the weekly podcast from Energy Voice, where we are leading the global energy conversation. Feel free to sign up to our newsletter for our daily digest and follow along on LinkedIn and Twitter for expert analysis and insight across the energy sector. You can subscribe to Energy Voice Outland on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do encourage colleagues and friends to tune in. But for today, I've been Ed Reed. Thank you for listening. Visit Adapec 2023 from the 2nd to the 5th of October in Abu Dhabi. The world's largest energy exhibition and conference will bring together more than 160,000 attendees, 2,200 exhibitors and 1,600 experts from across the energy ecosystem to explore the game-changing innovations and solutions needed to accelerate decarbonisation and create the energy system of the future today. Visit adapec.com to register now.